with me, your Bibles, to the book of Romans chapter 1, as we are in our second part today of a series uh, looking at the book of Romans that is filled with wonderful, wonderful things for us. And I want us to just be able to absorb all of them. But as we began last week looking at Paul's introduction, I think before we get to the meat of what Romans is, if we're really going to understand what it is that we're looking at, I think first and foremost, we need to understand who it is that is writing this book. So this morning, I want us to take a few moments to look into Paul's heart. Paul is the one under the direction of Holy Spirit. As we talked about last week, Paul is writing with God's breathing words into him. God has rested on him with Holy Spirit to write a letter to this church at Rome. Now, his introduction is a little different than most of his other letters. In ancient Greek, it was very common for the introduction that he's done where he mentions uh, who he's sending it to and who's writing it. But his is a little more because there is something that is unique with the letter to Romans than all the other letters that Paul wrote. Paul wrote all of his other letters or his epistles to churches that either he had started or that he had been to visit. Romans is being written to a church that he had never visited. These people did not personally know him. That's the reason he's taking time in the introduction to bring out more of who he is, what his authority is. But for us today, what is it that I want us to understand that I think scripture is telling us about Paul? Because if we're going to move on in the letter of Romans that Paul's writing, we need to understand what his heart is. What do I mean by his heart? I mean the, the locus within him, the inner self, who makes Paul? Because Paul is no longer the same as he used to be. The moment that Jesus met him on the Damascus road and changed his life. Understanding that Paul has written a number of the books of our New Testament. And in Paul's earlier life, he was adamantly opposed and against God. He was out persecuting and had all authority to persecute Christians. But when God got a him, amen, he radically changed his life from persecuting God to following after and could not be stopped unto death of proclaiming God's word. God's message, the good news of Jesus Christ. So what is it about Paul? Who is he now that he's been transformed on the inside that we today should even still pay attention to this letter? Why was Paul such a bold man for the gospel? Why was Paul who he was and what made him be so convicted that he would give his life for the gospel? I believe if we understand that, that we would then be able to understand Romans. Would you agree with that? That if we can understand Paul's heart and who he was, it will make it easier for us to understand what he's writing. It's going to help me to be able to accept. You know, anybody could write a letter, but that doesn't mean I'm going to accept that letter. 
Anybody could write the letter, but Paul's heart makes this letter all the more important to us. So what I want us to do is looking into the scripture, I want us to know first of all that Paul thanked God for the good news of the Christians at Rome. Look there in your scripture at Romans chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now, I want you to notice it's something, uh, maybe I guess because they ingrain into me so much in writing in seminary that when you say first, you what? You got to have a second. And usually if you're going to do an outline, you have a main point and then you have three little sub points on that. But if you notice here, Paul says first, but if you read on through, you never see a second and you never see a third. But we have to understand that in ancient Greek, in Rome, where we're not at today, that would be a way of getting your attention kind of like, listen here, I've got something that I need to say. So Paul began by first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Most of these letters that would have been written during Paul's time would have began with an an upbeat introduction of how great it is and all the good things about the person he's writing to and all the good things about the one who's writing. But that's not Paul. It's not Paul's heart. Paul is not the least concerned with Paul. And truthfully, Paul is concerned with those he's writing to. But who is Paul first and foremost concerned with but God. And in this letter that he's beginning, Paul is writing and he's focusing on what God had done in their lives. He says, I thank God that your faith, their adhering to the gospel, their understanding is going throughout the whole world. The whole world. You really think us over in America when Paul was writing this knew that the faith over in Rome was it? No. We hadn't even discovered America. But what is it that's going on right here? But again, it's their culture. The Romans Empire was usually referred to as the whole world. Now we know that The whole world is not the Roman Empire, but just like you remember when Jesus was born and Caesar Augustus, what did he do? He put out a decree. The whole world is to be taxed. Did Caesar have any authority outside of his jurisdiction? No, but his jurisdiction was the Roman Empire. So we see here that the news of the faith of these Christians at Rome are being proclaimed, being talked about all throughout the Roman Empire. And he was thankful for that because that's something special. You know, if you have a church in an area and you don't ever hear anything about that church, 
You might wonder, is there any life in that church? But if you hear all out in the community things being talked about that church, you know that there's some life there. And he thanked God that their faith was known. Other people knew what it was, what it was that they were talking about. So Paul thanked God for that. But also Paul served with his spirit. He served with the spirit, the Christians that were at Rome If you see there in verse 9, for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. He served with his spirit. He served God by preaching the message, by preaching the gospel. And he talks about there also that his preaching was genuine. Here he is calling God to be the witness of his thankfulness for them and what he is doing of preaching this gospel. And he does it unceasingly. He makes mention of them. He's serving in his spirit. If you were to turn over, I'm just going to read to you from Philippians 3, verse 3. It says, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here's the same word for served in the spirit. Paul is not serving out of Paul. Paul did not have it in him to serve in the power that God had called him to do, but it's through his faith. It's through his spirit. It's not the outward action of circumcision. It's not an outward act of Paul, look at how good I am and what I can do, but it was within Paul. His service come from deep down inside of him. This service didn't consist of his outward rituals, but an inner conviction that expressed itself in outward obedience. Do you know that's what the true heart of worship and service is right there? It's not for anybody else to see. It's from a conviction down inside. That is true worship. Paul served out of this conviction, and he was not merely doing it in the flesh, but because of that inward conviction, strong to manifest itself in outward obedience. Paul was so filled with Holy Spirit and the power and the anointing of God that it couldn't even be held within him. It come out of who he was through his service. But also Paul prayed for the Romans, for the Christians there at Rome. Look at verse 10. It says, Always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now at the last... By the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you and skip down to 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as the rest of the Gentiles. Paul prayed. It wasn't just, uh, oh, God, thank you for the Romans. But out of that conviction in his heart, he prayed with a sense of urgency for him. 
He wanted and longed to, to go and to see them. And with that urgency, we, we see in verse 9, it said that he was unceasingly praying for them. Many of us will understand this word a little better today when I say it's kind of like a continuous cough. Have some of us had that? Those of us going through COVID, you get that cough and it just keeps going and going and it won't stop. He's constantly, unceasingly, verse 10 says, always. Paul's always praying for them, unceasingly. He's praying for them personally. He mentions you, I'm praying for you. And he says that it is my prayers. So Paul is praying himself personally and personally for them. What a heart of someone that he has not even met them yet. And he has a heart for them. A conviction to pray earnestly and personally and constantly. He prays particularly because he says that I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if perhaps I may come to you. But you know there's something unique here about Paul's prayer. He also prays submissively. Our prayers always submissively. What do I mean by that? Look there at verse 10. It says that always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now, at least by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. And he says, I do not want you in 13 to, to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. Paul has been in ministry now for some 20 years. He's been wanting to get to Rome. I mean, come on. How about us today? You want to go to Rome and you have a way to go to Rome, you're going to get on a plane and you're going to go to Rome. But God wasn't ready for Paul to go to Rome yet. Paul didn't usurp the authority of God and just make his way over to Rome. He's been praying and he's been earnestly asking God, let me go. But it says here that perhaps maybe now, which means he is willing and waiting, being submissive to God's plan. You know, Paul could have went on if he wanted to, and he would have been out of God's timing, and it would have made all the difference in the world. Do you know I believe that right now, starting last week and going up through Christmas, this is the time that we need to be hearing this on the book of Romans because God's been talking to me, and I've been talking to him for quite some time, and it wasn't time, but now it is. And you know what that means? I'm excited because it means he's ready, I'm ready, you're going to be ready, and it's the right time. You know, if Jesus would have been born any other time than when he was, the roads wouldn't have been ready for the news to travel. God has to ordain everything in a time. And in Paul's life, he was submissive to that, and he was undemanding because he said, perhaps now, again, and I have planned and have been prevented. I mean, can you get the sense of Paul's heart in his prayer? A little bit different than mine, because there's been some times it's like, all right, God, I'm ready. Let's get this on. But no, he's undemanding. He prays to God, and just maybe this is the time. He's going to send the letter on ahead to prepare the way. But he talks there at 13 about fruit. It's not talking about new converts here, as they say, but it is to profit 
the Roman Christians and the Gentiles that are among them from receiving understanding more fully the implications of the gospel. Remember, this church in Rome was probably started from a few people who were in Jerusalem on Pentecost. They saw the power of God and the res- and they made their way back to Rome and they've started this church and built it on that. Now, Paul has been anointed by God to deliver a message and he wants to go and he wants to share with them what that gospel message is so that they can grow in that and they can become more understanding. So you see, Paul also prayed, but Paul longed. In his heart, he longed to see those Christians at Rome He had Ephesus and Antioch and places that were his home surrounding. He now wants to make his way into Spain. He would love for the Roman, the center of that area, to be a home base for him out of that area. But he's heard about these people and the stirring in his heart, and he is longing for them. He has a strong desire. God has given him a gift God has given him an innate ability of sharing the gospel and he so longs to want to do that and he wants to use that gift and that talent that God's given to him to them. He wanted to, if you read there in verse 11, it tells us this, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established But there's something unique, again, just Paul is such a unique character. Something unique. If you you see there that it says here, so that I may impart. Paul wanted them to understand, first of all, that he's not coming in to lord anything over them. He's not coming in to be a master. You know, when I, I looked up this in part, there's two parts to it. In part, of course, is to giving But the sense that it's being used here, Paul is wanting to share with them and impart by giving to them something that he has received. Do you hear the difference? If I come to you, I'm going to impart something on to you, or if I want to come and share something that's been given to me, it is so great that I long to see you. I want to impart it to you through sharing it. And the gift here is that it is freely and graciously given. Paul longed with all that was within him to be able to impart to them, to share what he has so graciously received. What has happened to him has so excited him that he wants to share it with them. He wants to give it. It was given to him freely, and he wants to give it freely. And, you know, I believe along with where we see in other parts of Scripture, the more you give, the more you get was not in scripture that away but you know the more grace that i'm given and i show grace and the more grace i show the more grace i get paul was so filled but he also paul had a purpose he had a purpose in wanting to come to the christians at rome what was that purpose if we're going to understand who he is look at verse 12 That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul had a purpose. He wanted to go. 
There was an encouragement. And again, Paul wanted to say, hey, I'm not just coming to encourage you. I'm not just coming to, to be the, the speaker of the house. I'm not just coming to, to be the one to speak to you. But I want to come and encourage you. And I know why I'm there. I'm going to get encouraged. You know why I like corporate worship? It's that right there. I encourage you, you encourage me. Times of Wednesday night coming together, we encourage each other. Times of fellowship within a Christian body should be times of encouraging each other. I don't know the stories that I've heard of pastors who have gone to sit by the dying bed of someone to be there with them, and yet they were the one that got the encouragement when they leave. Fellow brothers and sisters, we encourage each other. Paul had a purpose. He wanted to encourage them, but he was wanting encouragement back. He wanted to comfort them. Not just giving, but to receive. And he said he wanted to encourage them so that they may be established, a strengthening in the faith, that they would be able to understand the gospel. Imagine if you've just heard a portion of the gospel once, but as the gospel is taught to you, it begins to sink in and begins to stand for who you are. But Paul also was indebted to them he was indebted to the church what do i mean look there at, at verse 14 he says i'm under obligation both to greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish he was indebted now this for most of the greeks probably didn't settle very well oh why well let me explain to you what some of these words are when he says there that he's obligated to both the Greeks and the barbarians, the Greeks, he is not talking about the citizens of Greece, but he's referring to educated people, those that were educated in the ancient Greek way of life as the first century upper class. So here he's talking about the Greek is the top of the Roman social ladder. The elite of the elite. That's who he's obligated to. But he also said that he was obligated to the barbarians. Those are at the bottom of the Roman social ladder. Foreigners in the ancient Greek sense. They were innately inferior, uneducated, and listen to this, and naturally suited only for slavery. So Paul's obligated to the upper class. Paul's obligated all the way down to what they called the lower class. The Greeks, those upper class, thought that those barbarians were only suited for slavery. And then he says to the wise and the foolish, the sophisticated ones, the wise, the powerful, those that were of noble birth. And then to the foolish, those that are weak, low, and despised. Do you get the idea of who Paul's obligated to? He's number one, obligated to God, but because of what God's called him to do, he's obligated to every person. Now, I'm sure, as I said, when the letter got there, that it wouldn't have come over very well because in that culture, those upper class people, the, the Greeks or the wise, thought that the barbarians were only suited for slavery. 
They thought that the barbarians were obligated to serve the Roman people. And for Paul to say that the ones that are supposed to be serving and are slaves and are ill breed, and he's saying that he's obligated to them, that's his heart. That's the difference. But we also see that Paul was ready to go to the Christians that were at Rome. Look at verse 15. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. He was ready. God was ready. Do you know why he wanted to go? Because he knew that the gospel would sever those dividing lines. In his life, he was separated from God. And when Jesus died on that cross, it took that separation out. And when Paul was called by God, he was surrendered. Paul was eager. He had that strong desire to visit Rome because of his conviction that the gospel cuts across the humanly imposed social barriers of culture and education. He's wanting to go into the center of Rome where the people of all walks of life are at. And he wants to go in there basically and understand, as we would say today sometimes, that, you know, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. It's for everyone. It's not for just the upper class or the lower class, not just for the sophisticated, not for the slaves, but it's for everyone. And within the family of God, we are all equal. We all deserve death, and by grace and mercy, we've all been brought together and able to enter the throne room of God. Paul was ready because he was ready to see that division separated. You know, we could bring that a little close to home today. In believers, it's not a dividing wall of Baptists, Methodists, Episcopal. And we all have some things that we believe that are different, but you know, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. If we are born again believers based upon the fact of what the Bible preaches, it doesn't matter the name that goes with us. You know what? It doesn't matter if you're black, it doesn't matter if you're white, you know, a division. Here we are in 2021, and there's division still within races. This COVID thing that come up and all these rules they want to put out there, you need the vaccination, you don't need the vaccination. You need to wear a mask, you don't need to wear a mask. You know what that is? That's division. They're trying to divide us. And people on one side say, I've researched it and this is the only way or this is the only way. Do your research Make your decision educatedly, but don't let it be a dividing wall in the church. There are churches around, I have heard of churches around who have had splits because of this very thing. Well, I'm not going to that church, they ain't wearing masks, and they leave. Well, I'm not going to that church because they are wearing masks, and some leave. It's division. Satan is running wild with this church, but the gospel brings us all together. And we need to focus on that gospel. 
Now, what about that heart? That heart. Can you grab the magnitude of who Paul is in this writing? Why I'm so excited that he has this personality and within him outflows this message through the breath of Holy Spirit that we're going to be looking at. Next week, we're going to be looking at the theme of the entire book of Romans. Maybe we would call it the thesis statement. But Paul was a wretched, horrible, duplicable man abounding in sin until Jesus Christ come into his life. And Jesus Christ transformed him into a powerful man of God. If we were to look at his testimony prior to Christ, we would want absolutely nothing to do with him. Even his own people didn't want anything to do with him. But he changed. And we see here a list of characteristics of who Paul is. He is a powerful man of God. I want to give you a checklist this morning that you can look at from time to time and see are you a powerful person in Christ? Are you growing in Christ? You see on the bottom of your hand out there, you have this space for this checklist. The first one up on the top left, we see that Paul prayed. Are you prayerful? Is your life centered around prayer? Let me tell you, church, I don't care what you do in life. I don't care. You can eat right. You can take all the vitamins. You can go to the gym every day. But you are not going to have power in your life in the fight and the battle that we're in if you are not prayerful. You need to be praying every day for yourself. You need to have people all around you praying for you. I am so thankful for the people at Mount Olivet Baptist Church that I know y'all are praying for me. I remember reading some of Charles Spurgeon. He was big into prayer. He was a, a mighty man of God. And when people would come and visit the church, he would often take them down into the, the boiler room and he would show them these chairs, and he said, here is the power of the church where people were praying. Church, this room right over here, I don't know if y'all have ever gone through there. There's two chairs, sometimes four chairs in there. Sometimes we have people praying all through the service in there. Most Sunday mornings, I'm thankful that at least a couple of y'all I would get and gather around me before I come out and pray over me because it's the power of prayer that changes I can study all I want to do, and I'm going to be weak and feeble if it's not for prayer. And I thank you all for that. Checklist. Look at this. Are you prayerful? How about thankful? Paul thanked God for them. Is your life thankful or is it negative? be honest with you, I struggle with this one sometimes. I, I would say at whole that my life is thankful, but a lot of times that negative creeps up real quick. We need to, to bring it back. We need to be thankful. You know, as much negative as in this world, we don't need any more negative. We sure don't need the believers out there being negative. 
We need to be thankful. All we got to do is open our eyes and look, and we can begin making a list of things we're thankful for. I encourage you, if you journal when you pray, write down two or three things every day that you're thankful for. Or if you don't journal, just be sure to be thankful every day. Also, Paul had a a purpose. Our life needs a purpose. Our purpose is Jesus Christ. Do you have purpose in your life? Does your life today really have a purpose? Or are you retired and you just do whatever comes? You know, retirement can be a great thing. Retirement can hurt. I know some people that have waited all their life to retire because they wanted to go home and just sit down and do nothing. And do you know most of those who retired went home and sit down and did nothing were dead in less than a year? Purpose. We've got to have purpose. Our time with God has got to have a purpose. If I open my Bible and I sit down to have a quiet time with no purpose other than what it's to do, and I can check this little checklist off, it does me no good. There's got to be purpose. But what about serving Is your life got service in it? Or is it all about me? You know, probably the best example I can give you this is Dead Sea. I don't know if any of you have ever been able to go to the Dead Sea. I've had the chance to go to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Why is it called the Dead Sea? Nothing grows there. Why is that? Because it's the lowest place on earth. Everything feeds into the Dead Sea and it sends out nothing. It's dead. It's full of salt. You begin walking out into the Dead Sea and you get to a a certain point where you're about to go under and all of a sudden your feet pop up and it's like you're in a recliner. You just float. You don't sink. There's so much salt. But it's dead because it serves nothing. What about eager? Paul, he was eager. He was eager to preach the gospel. Are we eager in life today? Do you have eagerness in you about the gospel? To share the gospel with other people? All right, preacher, you're stepping on toes. It's a command. It's not an obligation. I mean, it is an obligation. It's not a choice. God says we need to be sharing. Also, he was obligated. Do you have obligations in your life? Let me tell you, church, whether you like it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, each and every one of us that is a born-again believer is obligated to other believers, and we're also obligated to share with non-believers. We don't think about it, and I don't like to think about it. But you know, if I sit in my home and I never share, and my neighbor dies and goes to hell, that's on me. Now, if I share the gospel and the neighbor refuses, then that's not on me. But we are obligated. And lastly, on your checklist there is longing. You know, I long... Every night when I go to bed, I'm longing for the morning that I can get up and spend time with God. I long during the week to meet back on Wednesdays with y'all 
for fellowship and encouragement. I long to be able to share the word. You know, when God's doing something inside of you, you have a longing. He's working on me, and I'm longing to share that as we move through that. Go through that checklist. I I encourage you to keep it, rewrite it, tape it in your Bible. Look at it periodically and do a self-evaluation. If you can check these off, you're going to be a strong Christian. But let me give you one warning. I hope you can check every one of these off. But when you can truly check each one off sincerely, you've just put a bullseye on your back because you're going to be Satan's worst enemy because there's going to be no stopping you. And church, that's where I want us to grow and be. We grow in it. Some days we've got some, some days we don't. We get stronger in them as long as we're not getting weaker. We're never going to be fully there. Life is a journey, and we're journeying toward becoming a mature Christian. We're journeying toward becoming who Jesus Christ was, and we'll never be fully perfect, righteous. But there's your checklist. We look at Paul's heart, who Paul is, who are you? Who are you? Can you work on the checklist? You bow your heads this morning. As we look into Paul's heart, Paul has been exposed. We've cut him right down the middle like an autopsy and filleted him right open. And man, I'm ready to hear what he has to say. But before we can leave today, Each of us must autopsy ourselves. We must open ourselves up before God and ask God to look inside. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal what's in there. Is there a heart of prayerfulness, thankfulness? a heart with purpose? Is there serving others in your life? Is there an eagerness? Do you feel the obligation and the longing? That's it. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would speak to our hearts at this very moment about who we are.